So you can all sit in meditation while listening to the Dhamma. So we have this opportunity now to um, hear this Dhamma talk. And we have come together now to practice for two nights and one day. And probably you've gained some understanding about the principles of the practice, about um, the heart of Buddhism and the Buddha's teachings. So the Buddha taught on Maga Puja Day, which is to abandon all unskillfulness and evil, to give rise to skillfulness, and to bring the mind to purity. And so when we have the sila, this virtue, keeping the five precepts or the eight precepts, then we are abandoning this unwholesomeness or bad karma uh, that can come out through our body and speech. So we've done that already. We're also generous as well. We have uh, kindness and compassion in the hearts and for all beings. And so we don't harm one another. We act in ways that are sincere, just speaking the truth, speaking things which give rise to benefit and which are pleasant to hear. And we don't talk frivolously or things that are unhelpful or unnecessary. It's idle chatter. Because if we do that, that's the cause for our samadhi to not be well established. So in keeping the eight precepts, we also take up the brahmacharya, uh, this way of the holy life for celibacy. So then we're like a brahma in that case, and a brahma is one with firmly established samadhi. And this is a quality that they abide in, that they have this joy and happiness there. And it's bitti and sukha, it's the objects of the hearts of Brahmas. So when we take up these eight precepts, um, then these are the qualities of an anagami. And we also have this brahmacharya as well. So now we need to look at our minds as well. What it comes down to now is the jitta, is the mind. So we come to meditate, to develop mindfulness, to cultivate samadhi with sila, virtue, as our foundation. And so we're also practicing in kind of an intense retreat. So part of our sila during that is uh, to, oh, sorry, even though we can, through uh, our practice of sila still speak, but we see that in a retreat like this, that that doesn't give rise to any benefit. So we try to speak as little as possible for the sake of having mindfulness, being able to look at our minds, knowing how it is that they become agitated. When they go out, what are they going out to? So we haven't been at work for two days now, but it's normal that 
you'll still take some of the memories and the emotions from your workplace, things that have happened in the past, but when we sit in meditation now, they can come up to disturb us. But hopefully today it's a bit better than it was yesterday, and we're able to put these things down. So we just bring our minds to be here in this present moment. We just can take up this attitude that there's nothing else in this world, there's nothing else outside. Because the chaos of the world, it just goes on without end. So we need to find some periods where we can put all of that down and where we can have the time to develop our samadhi. And then having our samadhi, we can also have periods where we use that to think and contemplate as well. Now we can have periods where we reflect upon our work and use that samadhi to do that. But in terms of Buddhism, the samadhi is used for the arising of wisdom. It's panya which allows us to see clearly and know into the truth of all things, how these are conventional things. So like all of us sitting here, it's just convention, it's just samuti. The labels of being an adult or a child, a male or a female, of being a monk or a novice, or a siladhara, a samaneri, a bhikkhuni, a mechi, whether a layman or a laywoman, these are all just conventional things. But we should use our samadhi to contemplate that and see how all these bodies here, they're just composed of these four elements. They're just heaps of earth, water, fire and air that have come together temporarily and then fall apart following time. So a hundred years in the past, there was none of us were here in this world. And in a hundred years in the future, all of us will be gone as well. And none of us will be here. All the people sitting here will be gone. That these bodies that are composed of these four elements, um, they just break apart and the elements go back to how they were before. So this body, it falls apart, but the mind carries on. And the things which follow our minds are the good and the bad karma that we have done. The Buddha was aware of this, how these minds continue to travel on in samsara, and how if they fall into a low state, then there's great suffering there. And so he taught us to abandon all bad deeds, all bad karma. So for us practitioners, we have this great faith already. We have faith in generosity, we have faith in virtue, and faith in meditation as well. And all of this is really full in our hearts. <clears throat> but even though it's full, the faith is full already. 
it still takes time and we need to forbear as well. So there were some lives when the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, when he was a bodhisattva, his mind was really unsettled as well. That he really didn't kind of wish to stay in the holy life. But he still endured, he still kept on with it. And his such a barami, this power of um, determination of truth, was really incredible. That he was able to help out his friend's baby who had been bitten by a snake. And he made this determination of truth that throughout the whole time that I have been a recluse, been a rishi, that I haven't experienced any peace. There's been no enjoyment in the practice. And through the power of this truth, may the venom leave this child's body. And through that, his incredible barami, that actually happened, and this child uh, was freed from danger. So even though as practitioners, we may not be experiencing much peace, still we set our hearts on doing this practice. And we just carry on without stopping. And eventually the mind will come to peace. We will gain samadhi. The samadhi, this firmness, the well-established mind. And this mindfulness and samadhi, they go together. So we have this quality of sati, it's recollection or mindfulness, such as recollecting the in and out breath. On the in breath, we can recite bud, on the out breath, do, and just carry on doing this. And then when we recollect in this way, the mind becomes firm. There's this joy there that fills up the heart. There's great happiness in the mind. And we gain an understanding into the obstacles that bar the way to peace. That there is this unsettledness of mind towards experiences or mental impressions that we like or dislike. And these make the mind dark and fall down, they make it gloomy. So there's this restlessness, and there's the feeling of inner aggravance or annoyance, um, there's doubts, ill will, and sleepiness. And some people, they doubt about everything. And this doubt, um, it just goes on in the heart. And this, even though they don't want for it to happen. And so this doubt, it's a cause for the mind to be unsettled, for it not to experience peace. That we know that this doubt is a nivarana, it's a hindrance. And the awakened teachers, they've taught us to see how doubt just arises and ceases. So we may hear this, or we may read about this in the scriptures, and we can think to ourselves, well, is that really all it takes? That all we have to do is just see doubt arise and cease. So we may gain that knowledge, but it may also not work for us because it's just coming from memory. 
So what we need to do is to actually see those doubts, to gain that kind of inner knowledge, knowing doubts arise and cease. And then we can come to contemplate uh, the mind. So when these hindrances um, have settled down, when they're absent from the mind, then we can contemplate the mind. And this is coming into citta, nupasana, satipatthana, uh, this foundation of mindfulness um, over the mind. So if the mind is feeling liking or disliking, if there is darkness or brightness there in the mind, then we know all of that. And we see it all arise and cease, arise and cease. And see it as being merely the mind, that there's no being, no individual, no self, no me, no you. So this is true also for all of the Vedana, these physical um, feelings that we gain. So whether it's pains that we feel or aches or tiredness, that all of these things that we've experienced in the past, they've ceased already. But we still take it to be me that is experiencing pain, that I am tired. But after no long time, they all just pass away. So where am I then in that experience? It's just a feeling that has arisen and then it ceased already. So this is something which arises, stays for a while and ceases. And that's how it normally goes. It's not me, it's not mine. So all physicality and mentality is this way. And when we're able to bring our samadhi to um, firmness, then there'll be the energy of joy and happiness in the heart. So we keep just one meditation object with us. We uh, bring our minds to one point. So we can recollect emptiness, or we can use metta, that's okay as well. And we just use whatever works to bring our mind to firmness and stillness. And then we contemplate with wisdom to see how things are normal, how they're just natural, how they arise, they stay, and then they cease. And in doing this, we see the Dhamma. And this is just how the Buddha taught Venerable Anyakondanya. He said that all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. And Anya Kondanya's mind uh, already had very strong uh, samadhi. And so when he was listening to that teaching, he was contemplating as well, and this wisdom arose. Sila, samadhi, and panya all gathered together, and he saw into the Dhamma. And this happened on uh, the day of Asalaha Puja. So we all try to practice in this way, you know, gathering things together, trying to speak very little, sleeping little, watching our minds. And why is it that we're not able to order our minds about, that we don't want for the mind to be thinking, but it carries on thinking? Or when listening to this Dhamma talk, we just want to listen, to not think, to not doubt but we don't get what we wish for. And that's because there are causes for these things to come up. There are causes for this 
proliferation of mind, the ignorance, the craving, and the clinging that's there. So what we need to do is to come and rely upon our training and upon our practice. And this practice, this training, is something that is very important. So we see how some people who have wisdom are able to train dogs, for example, so that they can get put to work. And our mind, too, is something which is trainable, that we can train this mind, and the well-trained mind brings us happiness. So we need this intelligence as well. We need to know what's what. Because if we don't have that intelligence, then we won't be able to have mindfulness and samadhi and wisdom. So the mind in this state, it's like someone without a refuge, like someone with no home, nowhere to go. That's, um, they're destitute, they've got nothing to rely upon. They don't have any food, anywhere to abide. And it's very difficult for them. So the untrained mind is just like that. And when someone like that experiences various things, um, such as someone who gossips about them, then their mind just gets all stirred up and agitated by that. It runs after that. Or if someone praises them, then the mind runs after that as well. And so these are the ways of the world, the dhammas of the world, the things that for everyone who is born, they must meet with these. And that everyone has to meet with um, gain and loss, praise and blame, the status and loss of status, happiness and pain. And these are the eight worldly dhammas. These are things that we need to meet with, that all of us need to meet with. So we need to contemplate how these things are just normal things. It's normal for people born into the world to experience all these things. And so we need to look after um, our minds, to be watching over our minds. And one who follows up on their mind will be able to free themselves from Mara's snare. Be able to release um, their attachments towards all things. So we train in mindfulness, we train in samadhi, and then we contemplate to give rise to wisdom. When the mind is thinking, what is it thinking about? And we have mindfulness there, being aware of that in time, and then pulling the mind back. That if we speak, then we pull the mind back. So we try to bring the mind back to the breath, back to this word of Buddha. But when we're doing walking meditation, then um, with the left foot, we, as we step with the left foot, we can recite Buddha. And then as we step with the right foot, uh, recite Do. And we carry on in this way. I'm contemplating like this. So we can see um, how that in the mind there are these qualities um, that arise. 
and then we try to see them for what they are. And if the mind is quite agitated when we sit in meditation, then we can recollect the good deeds that we've done, all the ways that we've been generous, all the things that we've given, the precepts that we have taken. And all of us, we have kept this very well. We've all given a lot. We've all been very virtuous. So we can think about all these meritorious and good things and bring the mind to a sense of ease. If the mind is restless and thinking about other things, then we bring it to think about something that's good. So when we sit in meditation, we can think about this first. If the mind is restless, then think about all the goodness that we've done. And instead of gather the mind in, bring it together, bring it together, until it comes to one point. It comes to uh, samadhi. And in that state, we're able to hold at bay all of the hindrances, this delight in sensuality and in ill will, uh, drowsiness, these doubts and restlessness of mind. And at this point, we meet with another kind of happiness, that the body and mind are light. And this is an appropriate state to get put to work. It can feel like we're just floating in the air, and there's great happiness there. And it's much greater than any happiness we've experienced before, than any happiness that comes from pleasurable sights, or sounds, or tastes, odors, tactile sensations, or dhamma ramanas. But this is the happiness that comes from peace of heart. And when we have that, we don't need to search externally. What we need to do is just train these minds. We just need to sit in meditation, bringing the mind to stillness. So in doing this, we're walking the marga, walking the path of sila, samadhi, and panya. This is the way that takes us to abandon ignorance, craving, and clinging, to lessen our suffering and experience niroda, cessation, little by little, through seeing all things as being conventions. And if we can do that, then the mind reaches temporary liberation, a temporary emptiness, and it's really incredible when this appears in the mind. So when the mind gathers together into samadhi through our practice, then we see how all things in this world, they're not sure, they don't last, they will change. That all of us must pass away. That we're constantly moving closer to our deaths that there's nothing that is permanent. And then we become weary and we extract the delight uh, towards the world. But it doesn't mean that we run away. It's a feeling that appears within the mind. So we practice this way of generosity and virtue and meditation and carry on doing this until the mind gathers together. So we can see how this body that's composed of earth, water, fire, and air must break apart. 
and we see this happening and the mind becomes empty. There's a great joy that arises within the heart and we gain this wisdom. And this wisdom in turn teaches us that this happiness of heart is something that we shouldn't attach to, that this isn't me, it's not mine. And the mind enters into the Dhamma. So this Dhamma that appears in the mind, all these qualities, even though they may be happiness, even though it may be uh, wisdom, that the mind doesn't attach to any of these things. That we have this faith and then effort, mindfulness, samadhi, wisdom, and these are powers for us. It's like this power of sata or faith. But really none of these are separate, that they all gather together. Because when we have this faith, then we'll have effort. And having effort, then we'll develop mindfulness. And then we'll gain samadhi. And this becomes firm and then wisdom arises. And these are all skillful qualities. But really all qualities, all dhammas, whether skillful or unskillful, they're merely that, they're just the way they are. They rise, they stay for a while, and they cease. And this is the truth that can give us real freedom. So when we gain this knowledge, this is the knowledge that the Buddha gained, and he didn't attach to any of these things. And this knowing came up, he understood, and there was emptiness that appeared in the mind. No attaching to anything conventional. So there's no attachment to me or mine. And here the mind lets go. And here we see the Dhamma. So may you set your hearts on this, and during this period of practice that you have, then maybe great results will arise from your practice. So may you all grow in blessings.